Today on Background Check, a conversation happens that has been in the making for over five years. We met through Facebook Messenger in 2017, where one day David just started encouraging me in the ministry. Then on August 2nd, 2020, his son Adam was killed by a drunk driver. I honestly thought that the messages would stop because he knew my story of five DWIs, but they didn't. In fact, they became more frequent. I was for sure now that he did not know my whole story. And then one day he asked me to pray for more opportunities for him to share his family's story. Well, it didn't take long to know what I had, I had to do. I was scared to ask him, but when we met last week face-to-face -face for the first time, I asked him to come on the show, and he accepted. So today, Father's Day weekend, with all humility, we do a background check on David Wyan. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome, Background Check family, to another episode of background check podcast we have a great episode for you today i'm J. Dan gum your host and this episode is brought to you by forgiven felons helping people with the past realize their future if you want to know more about what we do at forgiven felons check us out on the website forgivenfelons.org we got some great things happening we still have the transitional houses but we got some some great things happening with the resource center gonna have vocational training uh all kinds of just a lot more help for people coming out of prison, uh, not just the ones that are in our transitional houses. So we're excited about that. So if you have a loved one who needs a transitional house in the Dallas area coming out of prison, even if you got to do an interstate compact, we take them. So go to the website, check us out, uh, background check. What are we doing here? We are telling stories. We're digging into people's background in a positive way to shed light, yes, to embrace the past, but not let it identify you, and but it also to launch you into your future. And we're just telling stories. We've had people on here that have risen above their background, their criminal past, their physical and sexual abuse past, their addiction past. So many great stories. We've had people on here that help people get, you know, rise above their background. And those have been impactful as well. But today... Today is is a little different. Today's uh, an interview that was hard for me to do. All these other interviews have been so easy for me to do. Whether they're solo episodes where I'm just talking about a topic, that's very easy. Or interviewing somebody about their story and, and helping them share their story, very easy to do. But today... This episode was hard for me to interview. His name is David Wyan. His family lost their son, Adam, last August, August 2nd, 2020, to a drunk driver. And while we hear stories of people losing their family members to drunk drivers quite often, 
The reason this story meant so much to me is because David has been messaging me on Facebook since 2017. We have a mutual friend on Facebook, and he just he saw me comment on that mutual friend, which is uh, Chris Parvin, White Rhino Coffee. Go check him out. Woo-woo! And he found out about me and what we do at Forgiven Felons, and he just felt the need to, felt compelled to start encouraging me as the head of our ministry. And so he did that for five years and then four years. And then all of a sudden his son dies, gets killed from uh, by a drunk driver. And when he tells me that I was blown away. I was just like, what? Does this guy know my story? I mean, I just felt, I felt unqualified to receive encouraging messages from him. I thought they would stop, but they doubled. They just kept coming and then I was I found myself trying to encourage him, but I never really shared my story with him. And then I saw him walking through his grief process, and then he began sharing and reaching out and, and, and he's turned his grief into ministry. And so it's it's been really cool to get to know him. We met for the first time last week to talk about and meet each other for the first time and talk about our stories. He was blown away that I had five DWIs, that we had a, a platform for him to help share his story. But this interview was definitely hard for me. It was it felt awkward. I felt like, man, I cannot believe he agreed to this because of my five DWIs and him losing a son. But he has such a gentle spirit, a forgiving spirit. He just oozes with the love and the grace and the mercy of God. And I just enjoyed him hearing his story. And we get to share it with you today. All right, David Wyan, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Thank you. Good to be with you. This, man, everyone, this is such an honor to be sitting across the, the table with, the, with David. First of all, I would have never dreamed five years ago. I think I told you I, I looked up your very first message to me on Facebook Messenger. Because that's how we, we met. We met on the yes. internet. And it was back in 2017. I would have never thought that. If I, if you told me to fast forward five years, that either one of us would be sitting here, just having a messenger relationship that long without ever meeting face to face. Yes. But also having you going through what you've been through in the last, you know, less than a year. So, uh, so first of all, welcome again. Tell everybody what you do right now, what you do for a living, what you do for fun, your family. Just introduce yourself, and uh, and then we'll get into all the other stuff. Sure, I'd be glad to. So um, I serve as an executive director of operations with Marketplace Chaplains. It's a uh, corporate chaplaincy program where we send chaplain teams in to reach out to people in the workplace uh, to provide employee care, but also... Uh, in the process, share the love of Christ and pre present the gospel and, and that life-giving hope of a future in heaven. And it's such a passion of mine, and I get to not only um, participate but also lead those folks and speak into their lives. And I've been doing that nearly nine years now, and it's been one of the greatest joys in my, in my work career. Um, I'm married. I have a wonderful wife. Uh, she, Julie, she's a multitasking type person. She's a director of international students with the First Baptist Academy of Dallas. And also uh, now she and my daughter 
have opened a, a bakery, a business, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later. And then my son, Andrew, um, who is now the, currently the director of coffee with White Rhino Coffee, which now is becoming a huge franchise. Yes, it is blowing up. <laughs> it is White amazing. Rhino. Yes. Shameless plug. Yes. And then, um, and then also my son, Adam, that we'll talk about today, that he has a new home and a new residence, and, and that's in eternity. And uh, I've got a lot to, to speak about yeah. today about him. Yeah, but, that, that's why we're here. So it's a so, great joy. So how in the world did you find out who I was, and why in the world did you start messaging me? I mean, literally, people, he just starts sending me Facebook messages, um, lifting me up, encouraging me, praying for me, and it was just the most awesome, incredible thing in the world. Um, but it also, at first, a little awkward because you encouraged me more than my own family and friends do. Mm. <laughs> and so I was like, who is this stranger? But yeah. eventually I just, you know, after after the first year and I knew that it was going to keep going on, it wasn't good, you weren't going anywhere, I thought, okay, I'm just going to sit back and receive everything God has for me through this guy named David. Mm. I don't know that you followed my my page as much um, as I followed yours, you know, you can just tell everybody what, what happened. Why, why did you, how did you find out about me and why did you feel the need to encourage me all these years? Well, I think it was, uh, originally through a mutual friend, another man that I've, uh, been encouraging for a number of years who actually is my son's boss, if you will, Chris Parvin. Uh, he owns a white rhino. White rhino yeah. And, uh, Jay would make comments uh, about uh, Chris and some things, and I just got to see a glimpse of his heart and spirit. And uh, there's many times the Lord just puts in my heart, this is a person you need to reach out to and encourage. And, and I really believe in my heart that that's a gift that the Lord has given me to encourage other people. Oh, yeah. And it just comes just naturally. It's not something I have to conjure up. And it's what I do in my spare time. Uh, sometimes I just might get accused of being addicted to my phone, but I'm really not just there Facebooking or social media, but I'm, I'm out really trying to encourage people. And when I get a chance and I send those notes, I also say a prayer over that person. And I'm so glad to be able to speak into your life. And yeah. Encourage you them. don't know how many days that you were sometimes the only positive thing that happened to me mm. that day or that week. Wow. And I really believe if it wasn't for you, I would have kind of gone over the edge as far as uh, having, having more stress than I should have, mm. you know? So Great. I want to thank you. I've already thanked you, but I'm thanking you again. Absolutely. Cause I know you're going to keep doing it and, and it's, sure it's going to mean even more in the future. Uh, because of all that we have going with, for, you know, forgiven felons with the back with the um, the resource center that we're opening up and planning for, and how stressful that is right now. I need it more now than ever, so don't stop. You can't I stop will. now. You're stuck. Okay. You're stuck with me. Okay. So in that one day, you sent me a message about something that happened to Adam. So, uh, and honestly, I'm gonna let you talk about it, but I would just want to say, at that point, I thought I thought you would slow down or maybe even stop. Because of the uh, just the emotional part that you of your journey, and but you didn't, you dug in, you doubled down. So talk about let's talk about your son Adam. Okay, let's talk about his life on Earth, and then let's 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 go into what happened to him. All right. Well, Adam is uh, the youngest of my three. He's the baby, and would tell everybody that he's the favorite child. 
course, all my kids thought that, and we'd always tell them they were separately. Um, that's but, just good parenting, you know, one-on-one. Yes, that's right. And so he was just, um, in our family, many times he was somewhat the life of the party, very free-spirited, loved life, didn't need a lot of people around him, but he was very comfortable in being around people, but he was content. Even as a child, boy, he'd go in his room and he'd get out his little uh, pirate ship or his uh, firehouse or his garage with a little, little mini people, and he'd play for hours, just content and interact. He grew up very smart kid, didn't have to hardly even study. We you know, never had to say, Adam, you need to hit the books because he, he, he had it. He'd read something and had it. So uh, in that way, he was very easy to raise. Um, he grew up to be quite an athlete. He loved sports. Um, what was his favorite sport? He loved baseball. I mean, he grew up playing t-ball, uh, probably like at four or five years old yeah. and played all the way through high school and uh, just just had such a passion and loved the sport. Um, would watch the Rangers, of course, was his team. He so had, he was de- depressed a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except in 2010 yeah. 11. We, we yeah, had a good, we, we had we good, had a good, good run that, that time. But, uh, yeah, he, he just he loved. And then he took up soccer for a while, which that came out of surprise. But, uh yeah, he, he needed that outlet, I guess, in off-season when he wasn't playing yeah. baseball. He could have some a winter sport to play. But, and then um, now, he, yeah. So what, what Background Check is all about is about bringing people on, sharing their stories about rising above their background, whether that background includes incarceration, addiction. Some, some of the people that have come on have suffered abuse as a child, and they've risen above that. Some of the people we have on help other people rise above their background. We've had judges and lawyers and CEOs. You're on background check because we want to do a background check on your journey um, of grief. Hmm. And so now that you've given us a picture of what Adam is like, tell us what happened last August. All right. Well, we had gone to Florida for to celebrate my grandson's very first birthday. And um, Adam wasn't able to join us because he just started a job and he wanted to go with us to the mountains in Colorado the next month on the family vacation. And so while we were there in the middle of the night, um, something tragic happened. Um, my son was on his way home from softball. He, he grew up as an adult and went from baseball to softball and had just loved, loved playing the game. And he went to a tournament over in the north part of the Metroplex and had gone to watch another guy play, so it was quite late. And, and driving home, uh, he was going down Highway 67, um, just about seven minutes from home. And he was struck and killed by a drunk wrong way driver. And he died immediately, and the driver also died. So it was probably one of the most shocking things to happen in my life. Never expecting it, but... Um, it happened. So you were out of town? Yes. Yes. What did that do to you guys emotionally to get that notification call? Who called you? We got a call from one of the uh, Cedar Hill police officers. And uh, they were very, very patient, loving, and understanding. We've developed a relationship with them. And they've ministered to my family by taking us to the crash site later on down the road. 
uh, we've reached out to them and blessed them with taking them some goodies mm. from our bakery to thank them for being present. In fact, we even honored one of the policemen who was actually a classmate of Adam's that came on the scene first, and he was able to tell us that Adam didn't suffer a minute. He mm. was gone. So he was an honored guest. We asked him to come in full uniform and sit with our family at Adam's funeral. I mean, to get a call like that when you're on vacation, I just can't imagine. I really can't. I mean, my mom has gotten calls in the middle of the night from police officers that I'm passed out on the side of the road. My sister's got, gotten a call from a police officer saying, I think your brother's dead. He ran off the highway. So my, my family's gotten the calls for different reasons, and they felt probably totally opposite emotions of you. They probably wished I had died because they got tired of uh, they got tired of my alcoholism. So now it's a great service, wasn't it? Yes. How did the uh, softball team and the softball world rally around you guys and Adam, uh, you know, and your family? Well, you know, it was really amazing. They um, they loved my son. My son was on several teams. He played on tournament teams, weekly teams. He umpired. He even coached a team. And we didn't even realize all of this. And so where we thought his life was very boring, he was very <laughs> fulfilled with it. And when they got news of it, they were all out actually looking for him. And his roommate called, and I told him that you didn't know that Adam had been killed, and he, he didn't. And so they pulled together within a matter of four days the largest home run derby that they know of in the country. Wow. And these men and women came together and they began at seven o'clock at night till about 2.30 in the morning participating in this home run derby, auctioning off items, selling things. And they presented us with a large check wow. to help us bury our son. And it's been amazing, the support, the, the con continual encouragement from them. As recently as this past weekend, we, my wife and I were honored guests of a couple that got married that both played softball to be there. And they had a picture of Adam because mm. they, that was their heavenly guest that oh. was there. So that was amazing. Now, they've done some other things, too. Like I think you said that they all wore... Uh, they all wore like his number yes. for their jersey. There's been multiple jerseys. I, I've lost count. It's like eight or nine, maybe ten now, jerseys that, and they're still wearing them. They're like so. Is this like a whole team that wears Adam's team, number. Well, guys from other teams even. It's wow. just unreal how that has impacted so many lives. And Adam was an encourager. Yeah, um, he. Would you know? He was funny. Everybody, he would make everybody laugh. But he was intense. He played a hundred percent. So some of those guys and and gals, they just, they say to this day, they want to play with that same intensity. Oh wow! And they they just loved his zeal for life. And uh, he would even talk smack to some of them, and it just motivated them to do their very best. And so that's that's what they loved about my son. Wow. So. Wow. Wow. You know, the importance of community, whether it's a small group community at a church or whether it's a softball community or, or whether it's bowling or whatever, the fact that the fact that you get involved somewhere and you have a chance to have your life impacted, but also impact the lives of others. And it's obvious that Adam's community was softball. And I've enjoyed hearing 
hearing all the stories. And then when I walked into your house today, I see another thing that has to do with baseball. And uh, so just tell us about that. We'll, we'll put a, maybe a picture of that on the website. We'll put pictures of Adam on the, on the show page so they can, they can see everything we're talking about. But just describe what this is and, and, and who did it for him and what it meant to you guys. Absolutely. So we were uh, surprised one night after Adam passed away, a knock came on our door. And a young lady that worked at a country club in uh, Las Colinas where uh, Yvonne Pudge Rodriguez uh, is a member, uh, word got to him that Adam believed in his heart that, and this is probably very true, that he was the best catcher in Major League Baseball of all time. And he admired that. And so word got through, I believe the lady had, young lady had connection with the softball community and let him know and that he had sent down to us an autographed jersey mm. from him for our family as a so keepsake. Awesome. And uh, so it just, it meant so much because, you know, he had a, just a, a great impact in encouraging people to be their best and he saw the best in others. It has been a journey and there's been some highs and lows and some ups and downs and some probably mostly hard times getting, you know, just kind of rising above the fact that you, you don't have your son anymore. Talk about like some, talk about some of the tough seasons, some of the challenges and maybe even some things that you've held on to, whether it be a Bible verse or a, a word from somebody or a vision or anything that has allowed you and your family to help help you through this process? Well, grief is something that nobody would ever choose to go through, but grief can make you a stronger person. And the tears, the many tears that have been shed are the result of loving someone well. And I never apologize for those tears. And I tell my family that too. We're, there's no, no shame in, in crying. Um, the important thing is to, as you work through it, and it's very, as paralyzing as it is, and, and, and the people that came around us, and even my work, how they were so patient and gracious, um, we had to reach out to other people. You, you can't sit in that grief and suffer alone. You've got to make sure that you, um, you find ways to get help. And one of the ways I did, I, my wife and I both participated in a program I'd recommend strongly, it's called Grief Share. Okay. Um, I actually went through it twice, and uh, probably will do it again at some point. Yeah. And then, Lord willing, I'll, my wife and I might lead a group like that yeah. to help others in their grief. It really helps you to search your, your heart, see what your relationship with Christ is really like. And those hours that when you can't sleep and there's nothing left to do but get into the Word or pray and be still, it's where I just, I think I've really found such a closeness with God like I never had before. One of the verses that they asked me to, um, actually the softball community presented with me with a, a commemorative glove, and I told them that one of the verses, that the passage in John 14, and in verses 1 through 3, but the very first part says, let not your heart be troubled. And that's what God's desire is. Yes, our heart might hurt, but not be troubled. And one thing that I'm still striving toward is understanding where the scriptures say, 
a peace that passes all understanding as you do keep your hearts and minds fixed on who? Christ Jesus. And I know there's a peace there. And I shared with you the other day that um, I struggled with sadness for a long time. There were days I would cry and couldn't stop crying. And recently I was in a time of praise and worship and we were singing about revive me with the joy that you bring. And as we were worshiping, I actually had a vision from God and it was like he was walking over me. All I saw was a doctor's coat. And I felt like he leaned down over me and took a defibrillator and he pumped my chest. He said, I'm giving your joy back. I'm giving your joy back. And my life's been different since then. The tears haven't gone away, but the joy is there. And, um, you know, and I've, and in this journey, I, I must tell you, I've met some amazing people. And as we think about Father's Day coming up, I've met some amazing dads. Yeah. I've met dads that have lost their sons and daughters, um, some to cancer, a five-year-old boy that died from cancer, another dad that's my dentist that lost his son from cancer in 12th grade and actually is buried next to my son. I've met a dad that's lost his son by suicide, coming home to that. I've also lost, met a, a man that, in fact, I've got his daughter's bracelet on today. Uh, she was shot and killed. Unfortunately, there was some um, discrepancies in the process of the hearing. The case was dismissed. But, you know, my friend found, has found it within his soul to forgive. Mm. It's been amazing. And to meet some people like that. Yeah. You know, even outside of that, I met some a man that, God ordained, I sat down with him to lunch one day in Highland Park, and he said, I don't know why we're connecting. He said, but I've heard about you. And his name's Bill Dotson. He has a ministry called Abiding Fathers. Yep, absolutely. And very, he speaks very in the, popular in the in the prison world. Yes. And he's given me materials. He said, David, I don't know how you fit into this. But he said, I feel like I need to bless you with some books. So I've given them to several men in my softball community. Mm. I loved his heart for dads. And, and you know, I'll, I'll sit here today and tell you that I love being a dad. That's probably one of the greatest joys in my life is being a father and now a granddad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just part of, of this life's journey, being able to invest in other people's lives. And not only my kids now, but I've got a wonderful son-in-law and soon-to-be daughter-in-law. That I love both of them dearly, and uh, they're so special. And, and again, my godly, wonderful wife that I just adore. So anyway, that's... I, and I had the pleasure of meeting all of them uh, when I came to eat lunch at the bakery, the Tiverton Bakery. Talk about that for a little bit. That's, that's part, is that part of this, this journey? Because it, it's all happened during this time frame. You know, was was that something that was going to be put on hold, or was it going to not happen because of how everybody felt, or you know, and, and what's what's the purpose? Why didn't y'all decide a bakery? Why what happened? All right. So actually, a year ago last week, my son Adam rode with mom to Florida to see my daughter and my grandson and and son-in-law, of course, too. But on the way there and the way back, the whole time, my son would say, Mom, you need to open this bakery. 
you know, you're, you're so good at it. And she talked about it for a long time. But when Adam passed, my wife just stopped baking completely. It just didn't have the same zeal to it, the excitement to it. And so one night we were having dinner, just had a date night, and I told her, I said, honey, I think you really need to open that bakery in honor of Adam. And so in less than 30 minutes, we had an appointment to look at a, a, a property that we're now actually leasing. Mm-hmm. And um, in the process, my daughter, she heard about what we were going to do, and she said, Mom, I want to have a part in that. I want to step up and do what Adam was going to do, and I want to be the business manager. And she does an amazing job. And we have a picture of Adam with his last birthday cake from last May when he turned 27. His brother's sitting beside him, and there's a picture of my daughter and wife there when they were in, in London. And then there's a story that my daughter wrote. It's a post from Facebook about the bakery and how it came about. And for us, it's been a, a way of healing, but it's also become a place of ministry. Yeah. We meet people there to talk to them, to encourage them, pray with them, cry with them. And then we watch that happening with other people at, at tables across the way. So it's more than just having a business. It's a place of ministry for us. So, And we love, love to have people come and, of course, enjoy the wonderful things that my wife and daughter make. Yes, food is yes. amazing. I had the uh, charcuterie. I can't even say it. That's correct. It's, charcuterie yeah, board. Yeah, it's got meat and cheese and crackers, and it is amazing. Uh, I think y'all charge too too little for that. It's worth, totally worth it. All right. Well, uh, what are some what are some things that you've learned about yourself during this process? Well, probably one of the the big lessons, and you and I've talked about this, and you know that your ministry is called Forgiven Felons is that I had to, as I was going through the grief share class, one night they were discussing forgiving those that have have maybe caused the death of our loved one. And I remember that night weeping uh, deeply because I hadn't gone there. I'm like, I don't know if I want to go there. And the longer I explored that, I decided that even though that man also died, that I would choose to forgive him and move on because that's what God would want. And I have a dear friend of mine. His son was also uh, shot and killed uh, with Chris Kyle, the American sniper. His name's Chad Littlefield. And his daddy, Don, told me early on, he said, David, you've got a choice. You can either be bitter or be better. And I'll never forget that little simple saying, but it's so true. And I'm asking God as I heal on my journey that God would make me a better man and have a heart for others. And going back to the softball community, God has put those young people in my life. And I reach out to them. And there's over 220 of them, I think, maybe more, that I reach out to regularly and speak into their lives. And tell them there's more to the story than not just that Adam's a great guy, but also that he had Jesus in his heart. And that was his, that was his motivating force to that. And I want that to be not only Adam's legacy, but also mine. Yeah. I want to have the heart of Jesus. I want to share the word. I want to give the gospel, the life-giving message that we have. 
You know, I used to know, I think I knew what faith and trust looked like, but now I have to know that, that God is sovereign. God does um, love us. He's still good. He's a good father to me. You know, I, I would just have to say that as I think about maybe others that are listening, that maybe that you've done that, that you've been that drunk driver, that you've maybe even cost someone's life. Know that God loves you still and forgives you. Yeah. What do you think Adam would say to him if he could talk to him? Well, my son was pretty blunt. He'd probably say, you're really stupid. What a A lot choice. of people said that to me, too, yeah. over my five DWIs. Yeah. But, you know, Adam wouldn't hold a grudge. Yeah. He, he wouldn't. He doesn't seem yeah. like he would be the type. No, he wouldn't. He, he loved people unconditionally. I'll never forget the man, the last man that saw my son alive at the Home Run Derby. He sat down with me. He had me look out among the crowd. And he said, what do you see? And I looked out, and he said, you see people of color? You see black, white, brown, rich, poor, fat, skinny, male, female? And he said, but Adam loved them all. And he said he learned that from mom and dad. And also he learned it from Jesus yeah. to love everyone. You know, um, I don't, I ask you when we first I guess it was maybe a couple weeks ago or two or three weeks ago whenever I just sent you a Facebook message and said, I want to talk to you and I want to ask you a question. And that was one of the things, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to share. I wanted you to help share your story on our podcast, but only if you were ready, you know. And one of the things, you know, that, that I asked you about was where you were in that forgiveness part. And, you, you know, you'd mentioned that it was kind of easy not to have to go there because the guy, the, the, the guy who killed your son was not, is not alive. And so it's, but then I ask you if you knew my story. You know, because, I mean, I, I probably have 3,500 friends on Facebook, but I bet I don't know 3,450 of their stories. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, I'd, I'd probably know 50 of them really well and know their stories and, Every once in a while, somebody else's feet will show up and I'll learn something about them, but there's a lot that I don't. But I may still talk to them and converse with them and know who they are, but I don't know their their background, their story. And so I knew that there was a, a chance that you might not have known my story. You know, but I have five DWI. I went to prison for, for my fourth and fifth DWI, and there was a, a, a period of my life of about two years that I I drove drunk every day. And... I look back on my life, and I don't know how I'm alive, David. I don't. I don't know how I'm alive. And the night, November 29, 2001, when I ran off the bridge, uh, I-35 and, and 77, and the police officer called my sister and said, you better get up here. I think from where I'm standing, it looks like your brother might be dead. And I didn't even learn my lesson after that. Within two weeks... As soon as I was able to pull myself up off the bed, I was searching for my roommate's liquor. And, and after that, a year, you know, maybe a year or so is when I got my fourth DWI, and then six months later, I got my fifth DWI. But I also look back and I tried to get my mom to help me count all the times that the police officers decided not to arrest me and do the paperwork, but to have them come pick me up at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. And she honestly couldn't remember 
because it was a lot. And outside of my own wreck, nobody else was ever involved in any of my drunk driving. And when I went to prison, I saw guys in there. I saw an 18-year-old kid who was in there for intoxication manslaughter. And I said, man, how long have you been drinking? He said, I've only drank one time. And it was that night. And I got drunk and tried to drive, drive home from a party and killed a guy. And here I am. And I'm like, he drank one time and killed someone. And I don't know what the, the guy who killed you, Adam, I don't know what his journey was, but why in the heck did God give, God allow me all those, all those times of grace and protection? I don't, I don't know how. I don't know why. There was times where I wanted to be done on this earth. If, if people go back and listen to the Mother's Day episode with my mom, she talks about how she came to get me one night. My dad drove my car home and my mom drove me and I was in the front seat. This was back when we didn't have seatbelt laws. She said I was hanging out of the, the, the station wagon window while she was driving. And I was just begging God to take me home, take my life. Because, because I knew how deep my level of addiction was and that, that it seemed like it was never going to stop and that I didn't want to be a burden to anybody anymore, you know. And even just getting to know you more and sharing with you how much I drank is uncomfortable because I know how your son died. But I also know that I know and I know that you know that when God redeems and he delivers, that there's a purpose, there's a reason. And if you allow it, it can be permanent too. And I allowed it to be permanent in my life. Had to go to prison because of it and for it, but... Even in prison, in solitary confinement, you know, I said, God, I'm good. You want me to preach, I'll preach. You want me to do this, I'll do it. But there's nothing inside me that wants to stop drinking Jack Daniels. I mean, I want to because I know you want me to, and I, I want to do those things, but I, my natural body won't let me. And so can you do something for me? And I think maybe because I was just so genuinely honest that I could not help him in whatsoever with this situation, I think that's the reason he he did all the work himself. I mean, I woke up the next day and it was gone. The desire to drink Jack Daniels was gone. You know, and now he did tell me he he didn't take away my desire to drink. He took away my desire to drink Jack Daniels because I I tell people I still get drunk. I just switch bartenders, but it's it's uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable at first when when you text me that day about your son. I was like, man, does this guy know what I went to prison for? Does he know how bad I used to be? Does he know? Because if he did, I don't know if he would even be sharing the story with me. I've, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a victim. I didn't have anybody outside of what I put my mom and dad through with the, all the stuff I did with them. I didn't have anybody that I brought physical harm to because of my drunk driving. And I feel like I, feel like I need to ask forgiveness from somebody. You know, and because I feel like there's people in prison going through something that is wanting to ask forgiveness from somebody. And and a lot of times that somebody's not available. A lot of people don't go through a process like you are, grief share, a spiritual process, biblical process, and get to a point where they can forgive somebody because it's tough. And I told you about this, but there was a story when I was in prison and this one gentleman named Mike, he came to our prayer call every night at work. And he was just the most down in the dumps guy every day. It's like, why are you even here? You know, and he would just come. He would, 
He would just sit there and never say anything. One day he comes, and he's got this biggest smile on his face, David. And we're like, Mike, you got something to tell us? You got a praise report? What's going on? He goes, I sure do. He said, I got a letter from the mother of the 12-year-old girl that I killed when I was drunk driving. And I got a Bible, and in the letter, she, and he's, just, he's just bawling at this point. She forgave me. And he said, I never thought that would ever happen. I want to ask you for forgiveness because all those times I drove drunk, I could have killed somebody at some point. I don't know, maybe, maybe you stand in for all those people that I could have killed. But I look back and know I put a lot of people in a lot of harm's way. And I want to say I'm sorry to you and ask you to forgive me. I forgive you. And it's by God's grace I can say that. And I want the people that are listening to know that that's what God is, as a good father. He loves us no matter what. He does forgive us. And we can be set free from that, those chains of bondage. Please make the right choices. You don't want to put people through this pain like we've gone through. And even yourself. It's not a life. Not the life God ever intended for any of us to live. But we have a fallen nature, and we're going to make mistakes. But nothing's too far gone. Nothing that happens is too much for God not to say, I forgive you. And he wants to do that for all of us. Thank you. So thank you. I, I, would, I would say this. Um, I tell, of course, the situation I'm in now, I tell moms and dads, especially dads, that when you have those kids in those moments, cherish every second you have with them. Enjoy them. Make it quality time. Make memories. Take those vacations. Take that time away from work. We only have our kids for, for a little while, and then they grow up, and sometimes they move away, or they, they go to heaven. I'm so thankful, again, for being a, a daddy, and we might, we might make mistakes, and, and I would encourage you to find people that can speak into your life how to be a good dad. The kids need us. They, yeah. they want to see a, a good relationship with mom. They want to see a loving home. They don't want just to see a provider. They want someone that's going to be there for them at any time, in any moment, to be present. It's so important. If you go through an experience like we've gone through, the worst thing you can do is isolate yourself. And I'd encourage you, if you have a faith background or don't have a faith background, press into that. God is there to understand. The Holy Spirit is called a comforter. And that's what he does. He comforts our soul. Um, and it, I don't know how people without God in their life make it sometimes. And some people don't. There's couples that are divorced today because they've lost a child. There's families that are fragmented because of that. But with Christ, it, it can draw you together. It's not easy. It might be counseling sessions. It might be family therapy, whatever that looks like. But it's worth it. Yeah. It's so worth it. Do you think going through all this um, has brought you closer to God and your family? Absolutely. I would say that absolutely, positively. You know, And I, I think that there's always a check in my spirit. I don't want to be such a, a, 
like you said, negative and down father that my kids wouldn't want to be around me. And that's why I feel like I've got to press into my faith. I'm not going to ever be fake about it, but yeah. I want them to see that dad's, dad's, dad has a, a joy and, a, and a, just a light in his life. So tell us about his, uh, his, his grave marker. It's the neatest thing. We're going to have pictures on the website, on the show page, but yeah. tell us why, what it is and why you chose that. So we, um, we have a very unique marker, and right now uh, that marker is going to be replaced soon, but right now if you go out to the cemetery there in Ovilla, um, Adam's grave marker is a home plate, and it has very much the similar things that a, a headstone would say with his name and birth and death date. But the last phrase on there in, in quotes, it says, safe at home, mm. and it's flat on the ground, and there's a, I put a little softball there in the ground. Um, we're soon going to replace it with a uh, granite um, stone. Again, the same thing, a home plate. And one of the softball players has offered to help me. We're going to take brick pavers and create batter's box around it. Nice. You know, to make it very unique because that was Adam's passion. And I know that some of our family and friends go there. It's under a beautiful pecan tree. His best friend, one of his best friends from high school, is buried, like I said, next to him, and has a bench there. And that's my go-to place. Yeah. It's a place I can go. Adam's not there. He's up in heaven. I've even had a glimpse of him one day, Jay, that he was he was across the river. We I was singing that song because he lives. I can face tomorrow. It was talked about someday I'll cross that river, and I saw this beautiful river, and then on the other side was this beautiful green. Looked like a pastor, and then all of a sudden, Adam came present and waved like a, a, a young guy would wave, not just like the Miss America wave, yeah. but just like that you know cool wave, like yeah. saying, "Dad, it's all good, it's all good." And uh, you know, so it's it's something that I can say is, is it gives me peace in knowing that he's in heaven, and it probably won't be that much longer, and yeah. we'll be joining him and. Again, what a blessed hope we have of that. Yeah. Well, I know you my know? dad's a huge baseball fan, so if Adam's up there talking about baseball or playing baseball, my dad's over there watching. Yeah. So <laughs> my dad, uh, we grew up, him taking us to the game. Um, so you have a letter. I do. From, and, from Adam. Yeah, and before I share that, if I had uh, a, a marker put out. It's actually a highway sign. Yeah, yeah. Right there on Highway 67, southbound. southbound between Cedar Hill and Midlothian, just past the Shiloh Road exit. Okay. And it's a, it's a sign that the state of Texas allows for victims of drunk drivers. The family can post, and it says, Don't Drink or Drive, in memory of Adam Wyand, August 2nd, 2020. And I, sometimes I attach things to it, and I do that because, again, it's a way for me to remember, but also to get people's attention yeah. because there's hundreds of cars every day yes. that go by there. One day when I was having one of my days of just crying and I'm really missing my son, I opened my desk drawer. And you talk about a gift from God. A letter fell out, this page of paper. And I opened it up, and a few months, maybe a year or two before, I attended a, a weekend called Trace Diaz. It's a men's retreat yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. And they have family members and friends write you letters. And lo and behold, 
a letter from Adam mm. fell out. And I'd like to share that with yes, you today. It says, Dear Dad, I would like to start off by saying that I do not know anyone else who is more selfless and helpful than you. You're one of the hardest working men I know. You're a great role model for Andrew and I, a God-fearing man who has the heart to serve. You always put others before yourself. You are the first person I will call if I ever need help and get into trouble. And we both know that you've received quite a few calls from myself <laughs> in the past. And not for your help only, ha, ha, ha. I love you with all my heart, and I know I don't always show it, but I really do. Thank you for all that you do for me and our family. Without you, we'd be in some serious trouble. Love you, big guy, your son, Adam. Wow. Wow. Oh, my goodness. That is the greatest letter and the most perfect, perfectly timed reminder for you. Yes. So, and I think that's a, that's a good reminder for all dads out there. I think uh, Father's Day is a good time to remind all the dads that the families are, I mean, most of them are, are what they are because of the dad, you know, the sacrifice that the dads make. I know my dad sacrificed a lot. He worked two and three jobs to keep us in private schools. He even worked after retirement to make sure we had extra things that we needed. And uh, it sounds like you were, you are just that, that same type of dad. It's been, it's been an honor to receive messages and encouragement from you over these years, but it's even been more of an honor since last week when I first met you and had a conversation with you. And even now, it just, it doesn't seem like we're doing an interview. It still seems like we're just having a conversation. So, um, you know, and, and I appreciate you, all you do for the, the chaplaincy community for all the companies that you've poured into. And, uh, and of course, your number one ministry, your family. It's obvious that, that you, uh, you are loved by your family. I could see it when I, I met them all at the bakery. They adore you and they love you all in their own different way, it seems. Yeah. You know, the one daughter loves to, to, to poke fun and jab you a little bit oh, and give yeah. you a hard time. Yes. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed yeah. watching that. That was fun. Because that's my that's my type of personality too, um, but you you mean a lot to a lot of people, and not only does the letter from Adam prove that, but your life proves it. So, thank you for all you do. Happy Father's Day to you. Last thing, maybe this is this is going to be your first Father's Day without Adam, and there's probably some other dads out there that are going through the same thing. What would you say to them to help them? through this first Father's Day without them as well. So one of the things I'm trying to prepare my heart for is that I want it to be a day to remember the, the good memories. I remember the day that I led my son to Christ mm. and baptized him. Mm. And I would, he'd say, Dad, you're always at my games and at my practices. And there was a few times I missed, but I tried to always be present. You know, that's those things matter so much. And... I can rest in the fact of knowing where my son is. And I know I had a friend of mine come to Adam's funeral, and he was burdened for his kids because he doesn't know that they'll be in heaven. And he sat there in the service texting them. Mm -hmm. 
and tell them they need to have Christ in their life because he wants to see them in heaven too because eternity is forever. It's not just a temporary thing. For those that still have kids alive, invest in them, love them, be in their life, and share the message unashamedly. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It is. Because we don't. We never know when it's our time. We don't. And uh, there's no better time to give your heart to the Lord, to ask Jesus to come in. The Bible says to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and he rose again. Yes. And uh, now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's right. Interceding for us. That's right. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe that in your heart, then you will be saved. And um, I invite anybody out there to, uh, to, pray, to pray that prayer with us today. Um, and become a part of the body of Christ so that no matter what, we'll, we can see you in heaven one day. Yes. Even if we never meet you in person, you can come up and, to me and David and say, hey, I got saved that day you guys interviewed each other on the podcast. That would be amazing. And we would love that. You know, David, uh, usually in post-production, I usually pray over all the guests in the podcast and all the listeners. Uh, but today I want to do something different. I want, I'd like for you... I'd be honored if you would pray this podcast out and lift up all the fathers for, because of Father's Day, all the fathers, but then especially the fathers that may be going through what you are going to be experiencing this Father's Day, the loss of a loved one, the first Father's Day without a child. Um, but then all the listeners too, you know, this podcast is about to be heard in, in, in by inmates, male and female all across the nation soon. And they may be sitting in there listening mm-hmm. to this with a, on a some sort of DWI charge, related charge, alcohol-related charge. And so just lift us all up, man, in prayer. And uh, I'm going to let you, your prayer, be the one to close this podcast out, if that's okay. So, you sure. know, uh, listen, guys, before he prays, make sure you go whatever platform you're listening to this on, go to the show page, and we'll have pictures of, of Adam and the bakery and all the, the the neat stuff that they have honored Adam's memory with, and um, you don't want you don't want to miss that. And um, and we'll maybe post some links to some grief share ministries or whatever yes. to help people as well. Sure. All right, so go ahead and close this out in prayer, David. All right, Father, today, Lord, thank you for the fact that you are our Father. You're a good Father. And you're perfect in every way, Lord. And we thank you for that fact. And you don't make mistakes. And you know things that are going to happen. And Lord, we know that even our days are numbered. And Lord, I just pray that, God, that you would uh, just keep our hearts tender to you. I pray for the dads today that have been blessed to be a father. Lord, anybody can father a child, but to be a dad, it's just an amazing blessing. It's not easy. It teaches us how to really pray, how to love no matter what. And God, just keep our minds focused in on that. Yes. Help us not to be distracted by the noise of this world, but help us to look to what is true and honest and pure and lovely. God, guard their hearts. Guard their hearts of men, Lord. Keep them pure. Help them not to substitute other things that would deceive them. Lord, things like alcohol, Lord, that Lord can not only corrupt their bodies, but Lord can take other people's lives. 
I pray for those that maybe have are struggling even now with it, God, that you would give them the power, the victory. Help them to stop believing the lies of the devil that would say they can't stop. They can. You can deliver them. You can take away that desire of Jack Daniel in their mouth, in their heart. Lord, you can do all things and do them well. Lord, I pray for those that are are, um, broken right now, Lord, that feel like their life isn't worth anything. Lord, that's not true. You've given us life here on earth for a purpose. And Lord, out of those chains of life, out of the prisons, if you will, Lord, we have, can have freedom. And Lord, we can have great purpose and accomplishment. And Lord, you've come to set us free. Lord, I think today on Father's Day, I think about how that you know what dads like me are going through because you gave your only son. Yes. You watched him die. You had to turn away because of the sin that was inflicted upon him on the cross. And God, so you know, you understand. Thank you that we have the example of Jesus where he wept. It's okay to cry. God, as I said earlier, as my talk, that it's the tears that are a sign that we've loved well. Thank you for the promise of your word that whosoever shall call upon your name shall be saved. I pray for those that need Christ in their life. Lord, that's what's missing. It's not found in in a bottle. It's found in the Bible. Lord, I just pray that, God, you give people victory and release and deliver them. We say this for yours is a kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for David, David, for coming on the uh, podcast, but also that prayer, Mm. awesome, powerful prayer. And um, happy Father's Day. Thank you. Same to you. And happy Father's Day to all of you men out there uh, on the inside or the outside. It doesn't matter. Thank you for all you do. If you're on the inside, make sure you are preparing to be that father that you need to be the best version of yourself in Christ when you get out. All right, and we will see y'all, see everybody next week. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. All right, what a great interview. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the heartfelt interview. It was, um, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you are impacted by it. I hope you know somebody that you can send this to that may be struggling with forgiveness and that may be struggling with grief, that may be struggling with addiction. And again, if you know somebody with um, that's struggling with addiction, please get help. Find an AA meeting, a Celebrate Recovery meeting. If you're in the Dallas area, Regeneration. Uh, or if they are really deep in their addiction, they need a patient uh, inpatient rehab. Uh, you know, I didn't get help, and it almost cost me my life one night in a wreck. And it did cost me, my me and my family, three years in prison. But, you know, it could have also cost someone else their life, like Adam. So get get help. Please, if you know, if you or someone you know need grief help, have lost a loved one, please visit uh, griefshare.org and uh, go to the show page. We list the links for Grief Share, Abiding Fathers, and the Bake Shop, as well as some pictures of Adam, the highway sign, all that stuff. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Happy Father's Day to my father-in-law, Lane. Uh, Father, my dad in heaven, he died a month before Father's Day only a year out of prison. Happy Father's Day, Papa. 
if you're going through a grieving process during this Father's Day, whether it's you lost a, a, a child, this is your first Father's Day without one of your children, or this is your first Father's Day without your dad, just want you to know we're praying for you, we're lifting you up, you're in our thoughts, and we love you. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.